The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Today we are in a series called Counting Chickens, hence we moved from incredible worship with a great team, which I appreciate immensely, to all of a sudden a hoedown feel, which is really weird, but um, that's okay. Uh, we can make that leap. Um, if you're looking for a spot in your Bible you want to turn to, you got a Bible app you're going to check out, go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and uh, we'll land there here momentarily. Um, Some of you are in junior high or high school. Some of us have to remember back to junior high or high school. But um, remember lockers and locker combos? Uh, You know, you you get a locker assigned to you and you're given a combo. And some of you still remember your locker locker combo, but you can't remember your spouse's birthday, which is not a good thing. But um, Thinking back to the locker combo thing, they always said, don't give it out. And of course, you and I did what we were supposed to not do, and we gave it out, and somebody ransacked our locker, and it turned out it was an ex-romantic uh, interest that hated us all of a sudden, so that's always fun. But over the past few years, I've noticed uh, a combo, one of those, those padlocks, in our house. And I don't know what happened. We didn't have the combo to it or whatever, the three-number deal. So um, we would try to listen and, and kind of, you know, turn the dial, and you remember, if you remember, you got to turn it right a bunch of times, and then to the number, and then left around once, and then back to, and then it opens, and we would try to do that and try to figure out the combo, and uh, we could never get it, and you go back to some of the old-time movies where, you know, you got this sleuth that's got his stethoscope or her stethoscope, and they're in a safe in a bank, and they're doing whatever they're doing, and they're turning numbers and, and listening really intently, and there's tumblers in there that are supposed to drop into place, and they turn it and turn it and turn it and finally get it open. And it's amazing because there's all this value in the safe, of course. Um, that's hogwash. It doesn't work that easy, I'm pretty sure. But being tuned in to how the vault combo works, knowing what to feel and what to hear as you're intent on getting it open, um, I don't have to tell you why it's important to get inside. For movies like that, there's things of value in there that somebody wants to get to desperately. And in the same way, when it comes to our faith in Christ, there is something about how we go about knowing what to look for, because there is great value in some of the things that you and I are called to mine out of our faith. If you go to Proverbs chapter 2, just for a moment here, I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses, but Proverbs 2 says this, my sons and daughters, if you accept my wisdom, And store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you cry out for insight and call aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge from God. From the Lord um, comes wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. Uh, He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just ones, protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong, who enjoy the perverseness of evil, those whose paths are crooked, those who are devious in their ways. It will save you from the adulteress, 
from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirit of the dead. None who go to her attain the paths of life. Thus, you will walk in the ways of good men and keep the paths of righteousness. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. I can continue right into chapter three and I'll fast forward a little bit to verse 11. It says, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord, the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights and blesses the man who finds wisdom, who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold, and on and on and on. And that's just a sampling from the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom about the value of mining out things in our faith. That for any of us that become bored in our faith, for any of us that feel like we've arrived at a place where we understand so much, there is an inexhaustible amount of understanding you and I can gain as we live in surrender to the Holy Spirit, as you and I live hungry, live passionately for the things of God. He is never done with us and we have never once arrived. We're always in process. The problem is, even as we go to 1 Samuel 15, we don't always take heart as we should. And that's where we find the very first king of Israel. Once again, I'm gonna read a bunch here, but bear with me. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you as king over his people. Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Um, Put them to death, men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camel and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so that I don't destroy you along with them for you showed Israel kindness when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Verse 11, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And what is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, 
Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and destroy those wicked people. The Amalekites wage war until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. Sorry, lost my place here. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back their king, Agag. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men and gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me that I may worship the Lord. Father, I pray our hearts would be in tune with what you want to do today, that God, we would realize the value of mining out intently those things that we can continue to learn, the journey that we're on in process of maturity of our hearts growing for you and growing for those around us that we love. God, we surrender and pray that you would work through today's message in Jesus' name, amen. Here's Samuel, and, and Samuel is a prophet of the Lord, and he's sent by God to Saul where he immediately gives him instructions. And he specifically says, listen very carefully. Be very intentional about what I am about to tell you because you need to obey fully what, you're, what you need to do, what I'm asking you to do. And then he says, go and take care of the Amalekites. Destroy them entirely because they were wicked towards Israel when Israel was coming through the desert. And so Saul gets his men ready, and they go down and they attacked the Amalekites, but it says specifically they didn't kill the king and they brought back a bunch of animals. And so the Lord comes to Samuel and says, here's what Saul did. And Samuel is enraged at this point. Samuel is furious. Why is he furious? One, because Saul didn't do what he was specifically asked to do. And two, he's going to be called to clean up the mess later on in this same chapter. Samuel has to go clean up the mess that Saul makes. The problem is he comes to Saul and, and Saul says, hey, I did everything God told me to do. And Samuel's like, are you kidding me? Then why in the world is there a whole bunch of animals all around the camp that weren't here the last time I visited? And Saul's like, well, I mean, our, our, our herds rap, uh, rapidly multiplied. And all of a sudden they lined up two by two and came out of the woods. And, and it just happened that way. Okay, okay, fine. Here's what happened. The men brought them back, but they did it because they wanted to sacrifice them to the Lord. Saul won't even be honest about what's going on in his heart because he did not fully obey what God wanted him to do. So he tries to cover it up. He tries to make it look good. It's like those people that somehow they're like, man, if I could just make all this money, if I could achieve all this stuff, I would give God all the glory. I would make sure he got a whole bunch of money if somehow I became rich. Or if I became famous, I would make sure that, that you know, I, I, I give God all the credit, that I explain that it's about Jesus and then people achieve those accolades or get that influence or have that kind of income. And little by little, they're not giving God the glory they said they would. That's what Saul is doing here. And it's not just 
for people that get rich or become powerful or famous. This is for you and for me. How many times in our lives does God ask us to walk a certain journey, to do certain things, to be aware of the everyday habits that will keep our hearts sensitive to his plan for our lives? And how often do we for a day do well? For a couple of days, things go awesome, but little by little, we kind of fall by the wayside or we do what we're supposed to do in action, but we know deep inside there's something else going on. There's something deeper that's not quite right. There's something inside of us that we know is there, but we refuse to deal with in a spirit of surrender. See, this is Saul and this is Samuel. And Saul says, but I did everything. And and Samuel's like, no, you did not do everything. And he tries to make himself look good by saying, yeah, but God will get the credit when we sacrifice all of these animals. And literally Samuel says, enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Remember, he was angry and he wrestled with God in prayer throughout the night. Why did he do this? What is going on? And the Lord revealed to Samuel there was something wrong in Saul's heart. And so he says, although you were once small, you became the head of all the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you the king and he sent you on a mission and he said, get rid of all of this stuff. Deal with that whole people group because if you don't, they will come, become a bad influence on you later on down the road because I've called you to a promised land. I've called you to a place that will be yours. But if you don't deal with what's there, when you go there, it will be a problem. This was an issue for future generations. He says, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in God's eyes? But I did. I went on the mission. I completely destroyed them. I brought back their king and I brought back plunder so we could glorify God in our sacrifices. And this is the clincher. Verse 22, Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings? He's talking about the Old Testament system of sacrifice, where they would bring animals and sacrifice their blood on the altar and and the different organs and stuff. And, and, And Samuel says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? And then he says this, to obey is better than sacrifice. He's reminding you and me He's putting us in that place where are we about doing the right things outwardly or are we about dealing with what's going on inwardly? I can be generous and have people look at me and go, wow, look at all you do. Look at the good. Look at at what's going on with, with, with this world and the influence that you have. And yet something can be rotten on the inside. Just to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. And then he says something that really should get our attention. For rebellion, even the littlest of rebellion. For rebellion, verse 23, is like the sin of divination. You might as well be given to sorcery. You might as well well, do things that we would call outright witchcraft in scripture. If you want to keep rebellion, if you want to hold back even a portion of your life, a portion of your heart from what God wants of us. If we want to do that, 
Samuel says we might as well be involved in sorcery because it's a big problem. For rebellion is, this, is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And finally, Saul relents. Finally, Saul sets aside his pride. But look at all that it took. Look at how far down the road he got in rebellion before he was willing to admit how much better would you be? How much better off would I be if when I know there's something in my heart, I bring it to God? And by the way, I'm gonna be completely transparent with you. When there's something in my heart that I know that is off, when I know there's something in my heart that isn't as it should be, there are times where I bring it to the Lord and I will say things like, but God, I don't wanna give that up. I'm just being honest. I'm a pastor. You go, why would you ever say that in prayer? Because I wanna be honest with God. Lord, there's something in my heart. I know it's there, but I don't, I don't wanna give that to you. And there are times in prayer where I wrestle with God and I'm not gonna put myself on the same level as Jesus, but when you read about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, which by the way, was part of our reading plan today, if you read it, Jesus specifically prayed, I don't wanna go to the cross. I don't wanna go where you're asking me to go. I don't wanna do what you're asking me to do. But then he got to the point where he said, but I want your will far more than I want what I want. What does it look like for you to get to that place? What does it look like for me to get to that place where I can literally say, God, here's what's in my heart. Here's where I wanna go. Here's my passions. Here's my dreams. Here's my desires. Here's what I'm hoping for. But God, I realize that some of those things aren't what you want. I realize some of those things aren't the direction you have for me. Are we willing to pray the last part of that prayer? God, nevertheless, far more in me, I want what you want than what I want. See, Saul finally relents. I'm sorry, I blew it. I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing. But it was too late at that point. And do you realize Saul never became the king he was supposed to be? And what happens? As you turn the pages into the next chapters, all of a sudden, David is anointed king. Which is a whole nother message in itself. But, but the very next chapter, I believe David is anointed king of Israel. Saul never got to the point that he was supposed to get to. See, in the, at the end of the day, there's something about understanding deeply within our hearts. It's not just about the dreams and hopes and desires for our future that God has put there. It's also about the process of getting to that place. God's will, and if you're, right, if you're taking notes, write this down. God's will requires God's process. See, we said last week, waiting isn't stopping. When, when you and I are in the waiting, it's not stopping and feeling like we're wasting our days. Waiting isn't stopping, waiting is submitting. But the next step in that conversation about submitting is understanding that for you and I to submit, it means believing that God's will requires God's process. There's something about you and I on this journey towards what God has for us that what we're becoming and who we're becoming matters, I would say, even more so than receiving whatever it is that we're dreaming about. If we wanna access God's plans, we must surrender to his process. Now, let me give you the definition real quick of process. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. 
Let me read that one more time. Definition of process. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve, to achieve a particular end. If we want all the wisdom and all the understanding that we read about in Proverbs, which I read earlier, we must follow the learning process. The ability to avoid the paths that we read in scripture and, and it says, don't go there. We must be willing to surrender and submit to the paths that God says, go down this path. Do more of that stuff. See, when you, when you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, we love it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we go, yes, amen. That's my life verse. I'm living by that. I'm putting it on my mirror in my bathroom. I'm gonna have a mural made on my wall in my bedroom. I'm gonna put that in my living room. I'm gonna put it in my office. I'm gonna have a plaque made. I'm gonna mail it to my best friend for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Great, Jeremiah 29, 11, love it. Sorry, my watch went off there. But what happens when you keep reading? You come to Jeremiah 29, 13. Do you know what it says? Does anyone know what it says without looking? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, we love the promise of verse 11 in Jeremiah 29, but it's so easy for us to skip verse 13. Don't ever forget that God wants your whole heart. God wants all of you. God wants you to surrender to the process he has for you in order to get to the promise that he's given you. But you've got to go through the process. If you miss out on a part of the process, he's gonna bring you right back around to confronting that thing in your heart until you're willing to surrender and say, okay, God, I finally get it. The key founders of the early church, guys like John and Peter and Paul had all kinds of things to say to you and me about the process. But we're reminded, in fact, John was quoting Jesus in chapter 15. The gospel of John chapter 15, Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you and you will bear much fruit. The process, remaining in Jesus being surrendered to the spirit of Jesus that convicts you of sin, that deals with what's going on, that humbles us, as I said way back in part one of this series. Peter, some of the greatest promises ever given, when I look at the New Testament and I read them, are, are something Peter had to say. And in 2 Peter 1, he says, you and I growing in virtues will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. That's a pretty awesome promise. There's some verses to memorize. 2 Peter 1, verses three through nine, unbelievable wisdom. And Paul, the most affluent writer of the New Testament church, wrote more than any other early church father. Paul. I'll just pick out a couple of them. But in Colossians 3, verse 8, but now rid yourselves, literally take off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other, 
since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. Another one, Ephesians 4, 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, he uses the same idea. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What these individuals are reminding you and me of is there is a journey that we're on. It's not just about the destination. And that journey has to do with surrender to the process that God is asking you and I to be on. What would it look like for you to wholeheartedly follow Jesus? Let me go back to what I had said a little bit ago. When I talked about the idea of, of, of you know, having the stethoscope and listening to the, 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 the dial on the safe and getting into it, the intentionality, let me remind you of some of the basics of intentionality. Figure out, number one, how to carve out time. If you and I are too busy to pray, we're too busy. If you and I are too busy to stop and read scripture, we're too busy. Something has got to give and we cannot continue to make excuses for why we're too busy for us to be sensitive to the work and will of God in our lives. If we're too busy for the basics, then we will become the monster we don't wanna become. Trust me, that's how that works. So number one, let me challenge you, carve out time. And I realize in our world, I mean, my wife and I, we have four kids and, and some of them are younger and, and, and older. And the, the, Heather mentioned the driving thing online a little bit ago. It's craziness in our house. And yet, I have to be intentional to carve out time. It's not just home, there's work, there's all these responsibilities that we carry, people we're trying to love, things we're trying to do. And yet if I don't carve out that time, something's gonna go awry and I've seen it many times in my own life. My heart gets off. I get upset and angry more easily. I give in to temptation far more, more easily than I'd like to admit. But for me, the value of carving out that time leads to the very next thing. Number two, sh uh, slow your heart <clears throat> and mind to listen, to carve out time. But during that time, it's more than just you know, reading through devotionally, more than just checking off a spiritual list. It's slowing your heart and your mind so that you can be in tune with the work of Jesus in you. There are times where I ask people and, I, and people ask me, hey, spiritually, how you doing? Hey, what is God showing you, teaching you? I know that if I'm not spending the kind of time that I should, it's sometimes far-fetched to find an answer. Well, I'm not really sure right now. But I also find that I'm far more confident when I know I'm spending that time. Well, here's the things I've been reading. Here's the things God's been putting in my heart. Here's what's going on internally. We've got to carve out time to slow our heart and our mind to listen. Which brings us to a place where as we listen, the work of the Spirit will bring conviction. And so number three is simply this, turn from ungodly desires or patterns. Another word for that is repent. Go another direction. When we carve out the time to slow our hearts and minds in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will bring to us those things that are not where they should be. 
And when those things are not where they should be, that's where we go, okay, God, I give that portion to you. I give that thing to you. I offer, I'm sorry, forgive me. I wanna walk the other direction. But inevitably, when we turn our hearts and minds to Jesus, it's amazing how it brings us to a place of turning away from those desires that he doesn't want. Which then leads us to fully obeying. See, it's amazing how Saul obeyed a good amount of what he was supposed to do. It was amazing how Saul came back to Samuel and was like, I did it. And Samuel was like, no, you didn't. He's like, well, yeah, yeah, I did. Well, then what's with all the animals? You weren't supposed to bring back the animals. Why is the king over here? He's not supposed to be over here. It's like, honestly, go back to the idea of raising kids. Hey, guys, are you chores? Yeah, I did them. Oh, you look around and figure out the chores. You're like, who vacuumed? I vacuumed. Why is there crumbs all over over here? Why does that whole area look like it got missed? Oh, I forgot that room. Then you didn't vacuum. Why is it that, you know, this, this table doesn't look dusted? There's still shoes lying over there. Oh, I forgot that stuff. Then you didn't do your chore. Well, but I did part of it. Okay, you got to finish the job. Think through the lens of a parent sometimes. Why don't they finish what they're supposed to do? Why don't they complete what I asked of them? Saul was the same thing. I did, I did a bunch of it. Yeah, but you didn't do all of it. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Not most. Not a good amount. Not, well, more than 50%. I mean, majority rules. All of your heart. Carve out time to slow your heart and mind, which will bring you to a place of repentance, which then leads you to a place of, of, of being be able to obey fully, which then it becomes about waiting. And I can't wait as next week we talk about once things get fulfilled. We've been talking about counting chickens, getting to where you're going. Don't count your chickens before that. Don't get ahead of yourself. But now in the next couple of weeks as we finish this series, we're gonna talk about the fulfillment of the things God has promised us and how we handle entering into that season, which I'm excited about. But if you wanna get to the dreams and visions and hopes that God has placed in your heart, it takes surrender, all of your heart. God's will requires God's process. When I was 17, I've said before, and it's, it's kind of funny to say now, but I had a plan for my life. My plan was to get out of high school and be done and move down to LA and, and become an actor. That was what I wanted to do, and bus tables and figure out how to become an actor. And then as I continued to study, I've been a new Christian, studied the scriptures and, and had this real burden for the gospel. And my thought was simply this, man, I, I, if I was gonna be an actor, man, I just want people to forget the burdens of life and enjoy a sitcom or a movie. That's what I wanna do with my life. But as God opened my heart to the gospel even more so, I thought, man, this is far better than a 30-minute sitcom. This was literally my process at 17 years old. If that gospel is true, man, that lasts forever. Maybe I wanna help people see the message of the gospel, the forgiveness and grace in Christ. And so I began to pursue ministry and, and I ended up going to Northwest University. And then I felt like God said, you need to go debt-free. And I didn't have a bunch of money. And so I was like, okay, I'll go debt-free. I don't know how that looks because I don't have money. And so I'd go to school and then I would take time off and save up money and go back to school. And it took me eight years to get a four-year degree. And I wasn't because I was remedial. But eight years into the process, over and over, I watched some of my friends graduate and go into ministry, move away from, from the, the, the area we were a part of and go into ministry in different places. And, and every few months, I'd be like, God, what about me? When is it my turn? And over and over, God would literally just say, wait. 
and I was walking through his process, finishing out school, doing what I believed I was called to do. And all of a sudden, one day, and I never thought this would happen, I got a call from the same church I gave my life to Jesus in. It's the church I'm standing in right now. And they said, hey, we want you to be the youth pastor. That was way back in the olden days in 2000. And I prayed and my wife and I, we were newlyweds basically, and we prayed about it and felt like it was the right step. We're the youth pastors for a bunch of years. We went away for a little bit of time. And then we got a call and they asked about, hey, we're looking for a new lead pastor. We think you should put your name in. It's like, oh my word, never saw that coming. Felt like God wanted us to take that step. And that was back in 2009. And we've been able to be the lead pastors here for 12 years now. We've watched God do a lot of great things. But I look back on it and go, man, early on in the process, I didn't get it. But I found myself in that place where my heart wasn't always in tune with what God wanted. But when I noticed that it wasn't, I would, I would walk through the same process I'm talking about to you. Stop, slow down, back up, repent, deal with stuff. Let God work in my heart. Be wholly committed to the process and be patient about it. And it's, it's not that I'm perfect or I've done everything right, but it is pretty fun to look back and go, wow, God, you are that amazing. What does it look like for you to walk that journey? What does it look like for you to live in surrender? What does it look like for you to be given to God's process that you can get to the dreams that he's put in your heart? God's will requires God's process. Father, I pray that today we would be brought to a place of surrender. Whether we're sitting in a room like this right now or we're looking at a screen in our house or in our car, maybe at work or wherever we might be, it's my prayer that we'd be brought to a place today of a fresh commitment to your process. That there are hopes and dreams and desires that we want to get to, that we're excited about navigating towards. But I pray that we would do it in a way that honors you that your process matters far more than just getting to the destination because who we're becoming matters. I pray today that no matter where we're at right now, we would simply pray, God, I surrender to your process. God, I surrender to your plan, to your will. Help me to walk out that journey in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.